But I got to tell you, it's just like that great con artist, right? Anybody ever been con? I've been con more than once. Problem is when you're con, right? You're walking in the lie. But you don't know it's a lie because he's conned you. That's what Satan does. He cons you. So we have to know the truth. What is the truth? Jesus says it right here. I give you power over all. Power over the enemy. And nothing by any means will hurt you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. Revelation 9, verse 1 to 12, right at verse 1 there. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Verse 3, Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Verse 4, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Verse 5, and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Verse 7, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Verse 10, they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past, verse 12. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Okay, so Revelation 9, verses 1 through 12, it records this fifth trumpet judgment. Now, we just finished the first four trumpets of judgment. We looked at that last week. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, all of chapter 8, we saw this uh, opening of the seven seals. I want you to note this. Remember the seven seals, they hold this scroll. And this scroll, we believe, is a title deed to the earth. But whether it is or not, there's different views on that. Really, the more, more important thing is to know that there's seven seals that is keeping this, this uh, scroll that's closed, right? And the seven seals, they're loose. And with every seal that's loose, judgment occurs upon this earth, okay? So in the seven seal, which we saw last week in chapter 8, are seven trumpets of judgment. Remember, there's 30 minutes of silence in heaven. This all struck silence. It's almost as if, you know, the uh, 
one that is loosening, uh, the angels that are loosening the seventh seal is saying that, you know, you haven't seen anything yet. And so you have this awestruck silence in heaven, and then he begins to unravel for us the blowing of the seven trumpets of judgment, right? And so we saw the first four trumpets of judgment described in chapter 8, verses 7 through 13. Remember, we noted this. As these trumpet judgments are delivered, right, it's judgment upon the earth. Okay, so let's write, begin right at verse 1, and we'll begin to unfold all this, okay? Verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1 says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. Now, what is this star that's fallen from heaven? Now, we've seen stars referred to previously in judgment, in the sixth seal of judgment. If you look with me all the way back in chapter 6, verse Verse 12, it says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by mighty wind. So we see reference to that, stars of them, plural, right? This great, great judgment in the sixth seal of judgment. Remember, the heavens and the earth begin to shake, and the stars of heaven begin to fall. I take this literally, right? And so there are a reference to stars. Now notice last week when we looked at the fourth trumpet judgment, in chapter, 12, uh, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. Okay, so we have stars, plural. So we see judgment affecting the stars, the atmosphere, right? And so we see right here, now it says in verse 1, chapter 9, then the fifth angel sounded and a star, not stars plural, but a star, fallen from heaven to the earth. So what is this one star? It's a person. So this fallen star, singular, is a person. The question has to be, who is this person? Who do you think he is? This fallen star from heaven to the earth is given the key to the bottomless pit. Well, I would just share with you, this is Satan. And how do we know this? We want to cross-reference to Revelation chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 7 says this. says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Verse 8. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So I want you to notice this, that Satan and his cohorts, they have access to heaven. How do they have access to heaven? Or what are they doing when they have access to heaven? Well, we know this in Scripture. They're accusing the brethren. We notice this. Remember, you look in the book of Job, right? Satan. He's accusing Job before God. And so even though he was cast from the mount of God when he was lifted up in pride, we're going to look at that in Ezekiel and also Isaiah, Right? Even though he's cast from the mount of God, his authority is diminishing. And so right here we see that he's cast from heaven itself in terms of he no longer could go before God and accuse the brethren. Right? And so now in verse 9 it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, so this is the commentary of chapter 9 verse 1. He, there, he's already been cast out. He's been fallen. It's in the perfect tense. It's been completed. There's a time that Satan is cast out of him. He no longer can go before the throne and accuse the brethren. And not only him, but his cohorts. And so when we read chapter 9, verse 1, 
And John records this. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen. He's referring, I believe, to Revelation chapter 12. That has happened prior. All that to say, the parentheticals are not in chronological order. They don't necessarily move the chronology of the judgments. Right? They just give us insight into what's happening with these personages. Okay, so Satan has fallen with his cohorts. And then in chapter 9, verse 1, this fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him, this would be to Satan, was given the key to the bottomless pit. Okay? And what happens? This bottomless pit, as he opens it, we have this demonic realm come out, and they attack men. It's judgment not on the land. It's judgment directly upon the men. And all those that don't have the mark on them to be preserved, the mark of God on them, that seal, they're going to be tormented for five months. They're going to be in so much excruciating pain, they're going to want to die. But death is going to flee from them. And so this is judgment directly on the people. Now, before we get to this bottomless pit, which is, is a compartment of hell, which is referred to in Scripture, I want to talk to you about, about Satan, his diminishing authority. Okay, so this records that he's fallen. We just noted in Revelation 12, right, his diminishing authority, no longer able to go before the Lord and accuse the brethren. He's confined to this earth. And that's when the tribulation gets really bad in the great tribulation. But, you know, you can go to Scripture and see how Satan started as Lucifer and how he's going to end up. And there's really five different stages that you can, you can note in Scripture. Okay, so I want to give you these. And so we have an understanding of Satan's diminishing authority. All right? Firstly, we see when Satan was Lucifer. Remember, he's at the Mount of God. He's a high-ranking cherub. What's a cherub? What's an angel? We've learned about that in Ezekiel. We just studied Ezekiel 10 not too long ago when Ezekiel is brought up to the throne of heaven. We have those four living creatures. They're actually called cherubim. And so in Ezekiel chapter 28, it refers to Lucifer, this high-ranking angel who becomes Satan. He is a cherub, a high-ranking angel. And you can read that in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 17. Also, a reference of Lucifer there at the Mount of God, this high-ranking angel, you can read also in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Okay, so you read this in your own time, and you can see how he had all this authority as this high-ranking angel. It says, you were anointed cherub, the anointed cherub, who covers, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Right? But what happened? He got lifted up with pride and then he got cast out. Okay, so that's the record. That's the first part of his diminishing authority. He got lifted up with pride and then he was cast out from the mount of God. At that point, he's no longer part of the government of God, right? He's rebelled. And so we see that diminishing authority, cast out from the presence of God, the government of God. He has no authority, right? Right there in the mount of heaven. But... I want you to note this. His power continues to diminish. When did it take another hit? Well, remember at the cross of Calvary. What happened at the cross of Calvary? Well, we now have a spiritual authority through the Holy Spirit. Remember that? 
our sins are removed, right? And he gives us the Holy Spirit. Those that are born again, the blood of Jesus, removes our sin. He gives us the Holy Spirit that is now the authority of heaven. And so now the Lord has authority in us. Satan doesn't have authority. Now the thing is you have to know this. If you don't know this, right, you're going to walk as if you don't have authority. And that's what a con artist does. But if we know these scriptures, it's very important that we know this, that Satan has no authority over the child of God. Now, I want to bring to your attention a scripture that illustrates this, okay? This diminishing authority that came at the cross of Calvary. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. I want you to write this in your notes. I'm going to read this to you as well. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Now, the context here is, remember when Jesus sent out the 70 disciples? It's unique to the Gospel of Luke. He also sent out the 12 disciples, right, that were following him closely. And we see those recorded in the synoptics. But Luke, the Gospel of Luke, has specifically records the second time where he sends out the 70. And when he sends out the 70, remember what happened? He said to just minister with the authority that I have. Jesus has been healing the sick, casting out demons, showing his authority, right? Remember the message, right? And the miracles, the miracles ratify the message. He had authority in his words because he had authority in his works. But then he sends them out with the Holy Spirit. And he says, you minister in the same way. So he sends out the 70 and they come back. And they say, oh, Lord, even the demons, they obey us. It was a foretaste. It was a taste. It was a prelude of what Jesus would do when he gives us the Holy Spirit. He would give us all authority. But it's interesting here in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, as these 70 come back, Jesus, he says something very interesting. Let me read this to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. As the 70 have come back, they've done ministry with the authority of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, it says, And he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What is he, what is he describing here? You know, I believe he's describing Satan's authority diminishing. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And when Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy, do you think he means it? Or do you think he's just making it up? I think he means it. Now, what does all the power of the enemy mean? Last I studied all, it means all. You see, if we were to know this, we're going to walk as if what? It's true, because it is true. That Satan has no authority over us as children of God. This is Jesus' words. Now, what's the problem? What's the challenge? We don't, we don't believe these, or we don't know them. And you see Christians running around thinking, well, you know, I can be possessed, or I can be... i got to tell you, people, if you read this scripture here, You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. <laughs> in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, it records this, that Satan is what? He's chained in the abyss, or the bottomless pit. He's chained there. So after Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, and he begins his millennial kingdom, he, Jesus, what he does, he binds Satan during the millennia in the, in the bottomless pit. Again, his authority is diminishing. And then finally, the fifth stage of his diminishing authority is when he's cast into the lake of fire, Satan. And that's in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, at the end of the millennium. 
Okay, I want you to note this. Satan, his power is diminishing. And it will continue to diminish until he's cast into the lake of fire. Okay? And so when we see in chapter 9, verse 1, in chapter 12, verses uh, 7 through 13, his um, authority is diminishing as he's cast to this earth, no longer to be the accuser of the brethren. Okay? Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 9. When he says, And I saw, verse 1, a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. It's the Lord at this point that gives him the key to release this demonic realm. Again, he's cast to this earth. His power has been diminished. He no longer can go to heaven and accuse the brethren. Right? So he's cast to this earth, and then the Lord gives him this key to administer this judgment. The Lord gives him the authority. But he says, the key to the bottomless pit. This is where I want to talk about this compartment of hell. Where's the bottomless pit? Anybody know where that is? Probably has no bottom, right? The bottomless pit. It's hell, we know. But I gotta share this with you and highlight to you it's one compartment of hell. We throw the word around hell often, right? But hell actually, when we see in scripture, it speaks of three different places. Okay, and so this is one compartment of hell. Now, this bottomless pit description here, bottomless pit, this is the first time we see this verbiage. It appears three times in this chapter. Bottomless pit in verse 1, bottomless pit in verse 2, and bottomless pit in verse 11. It appears seven times in all of Revelations, or four more times after this. What is the bottomless pit? Well, it's referred to as the abyss or the abuso in other parts of Scripture. The shaft of the abyss. And I want to give you a cross-reference to the abyss as it's used in Scripture. Remember the account there when we had that man that was possessed with the legion of angels? Remember he was living amongst the tombs there? And remember Jesus delivered him? It's in the area of the Gadarenes there. Remember Jesus, he makes his way over there across the, across the, uh, the sea there and he goes to the Gadarenes and he comes, encounters this man that's possessed by the legion of angels. Remember what happened there. Remember this legion of angels, there are many of them. And what did they ask Jesus to do? Because they recognized Jesus had the authority to cast them out and cast them into the abyss. It uses that word abyss, which is the bottomless pit. Remember what they asked Jesus to do? Cast us into the pigs. Don't cast us into the abyss. Now the record there, you can read this in your own time. This is in the Gospel of, of Luke, chapter 8. You can read this in your own time. But in that account there, we see that Jesus has authority over this demonic realm. And this demonic realm asks Jesus to cast him into the pigs, not into the bottomless pit, not into the abyss. And why does he ask Jesus, why did they ask Jesus to do this? Because in the abyss, they know that they're going to be confined there. And so as we read in chapter 9, verse 1 of Revelation, I want you to know that there's this whole demonic realm that we read the description of in chapter 9. They're confined in this abyss until Satan is given the key to release them. And he does, and that's the fifth seal. All right, so the bottomless pit and the abyss or the shaft of the abyss, they're all speaking of the same place. Now, the reason the shaft of the abyss is oftentimes mentioned is because there's a shaft, we believe, if we take this literally, it goes all the way to this bottomless pit. 
Where's the bottomless pit? I think it's in the center of the earth. If you think about it, right? The center of the earth, where's the bottom? There's no bottom. How can you go even further down at the center of the earth? As one of the commentators was out smiling about it, I think it was Dr. Henry Moore who said this, in the center of the earth, there's no down, is there? It's only up. Think about it. You have the circumference, right? It's only up. And so this bottomless pit, you can't go any further to the bottom in the center of the earth. And so this is probably where this demonic realm is, is being confined. And so there's a shaft to that bottomless pit where this is released. And so oftentimes it's referred to as the shaft of the abyss. Okay? That's one compartment of hell. And that's where this demonic realm is released. Now, I want to give you a couple of other compartments of hell as referred to in Scripture. There's Sheol or Hades. And that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. If you read the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Remember, that's the count of Lazarus the beggar and the rich man. Remember that? Remember Lazarus? He's a beggar, but then remember as he dies, he goes to that side of Abraham's bosom and is comforted there. Remember the rich man who lived a sinful life? When he dies, he goes to the side of torment. And that's recorded in Luke chapter 16. This is referred to as Hades in the New Testament. It's the abode of the dead in the Old Testament. And so the account there describes this. When people died before, before the cross, their souls went to Hades. Those that had faith in God, their souls went to the side that was comforted until the time of the cross. So all the Old Testament saints that died in faith, their souls went to the side comforted by Abraham. But all those that died apart from the faith, didn't have faith, they went in the side of torment. That's in Hades. That's another compartment in hell. It's not the abyss. It's not the bottomless pit where this demonic realm is confined. Okay, and so what happened at the cross of Calvary? We know this, right? The cross of Calvary, Jesus led those captives free. So all those souls on the side of Abraham, right, they went into the presence of the Lord. So now Paul talks about to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so those that die after the cross in faith, their souls go directly to the Lord. But still on Hades, in Hades are those souls that are part of from the faith. And so that's the second compartment of hell, Hades, or the abode of the dead, Sheol in the Old Testament, okay? But there's also a third compartment of hell, and that's known as Gehenna. And so every time you read, and mostly Jesus describes this, when you read verbiage like the eternal fire or the lake of fire, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth or outer darkness, that's referring not to the bottomless pit, not to Sheol or Hades. It's referring to Gehenna. That's where there is eternal darkness. And the interesting thing is that's where at the great white throne judgment, all the souls of those that died apart from faith they're going to receive an eternal body to be cast into Gehenna forever. That's a third compartment of hell. Now you're thinking, why is pastor teaching all this about hell? Well, we need to understand exactly what hell is. Each compartment for us to understand the final chapter. Because people, 
as the final chapter unfolds, to put it very simply, there are going to be people that wind up spending eternity with the Lord in heaven or apart from the Lord in Gehenna. That's the fact of the matter. We take these scriptures literally. And this is how it affects our living on this earth, what we do, how we minister in this earth, because it's going to be one of the two. Either you're in the Lord and with the Lord forever in your resurrected body, or you're apart from the Lord and you're eternally condemned in Gehenna. And so Jesus described this at great lengths, Gehenna. Many scriptures in the Gospel of Matthew where he outlines this. And one of the descriptions, he says, outer darkness. And this is where I believe it's not in the center, it's actually in way out in outer space, outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But we do know this, in Revelation 20, at the great white throne judgment, those that are apart from the faith, they'll receive eternal bodies to be cast into Gehenna, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll receive a literal, physical, eternal body to be cast in the fiery furnace. Now, the reason I draw that to your attention is as we read in chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, these demonic realm that comes, and they begin to torment the men on the earth without the seal. Notice this, that they're in a lot of pain. It says that, they had tails like scorpions, verse 10, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Five months, they're stinging, right? They're hurting men physically, and they can't die. They want to die. The pain is so bad, but they can't die. The torment, physical, is so bad, but they can't die. Could this be... God's act of mercy in the sense he's giving them a taste of what Gehenna is. Because think about Gehenna. They're going to be tormented. They're going to have an eternal body. They can't die, but they're going to feel the pain. Could this be God's act of mercy saying, this is what it's going to be like? Because for five months, they're going to feel this torment and they're not going to be able to die, even though they want to die. Could it be in God's mercy saying that you still have time to repent? Even in this judgment, all you have to do is repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's continue. Chapter 9, verse 2. We'll finish up. It says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And so this demonic realm, they're just released. And there's so many coming upon this earth that it looks like smoke. And it, it even covers the sun, probably darkens the sun. But this is the demonic realm. And there's so many because they're attacking all mankind that doesn't have this seal of the Lord upon their head. I believe that seal is the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned. So all those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ the Lord, many will die, these martyrs' deaths, right? Now, the 144,000 won't, but I believe that this demonic realm can't touch them, just as Satan can't touch the Christian in this life, right? The diminished authority, as I mentioned, through the cross of Calvary. 
but they're going to be able to touch all those and to torment all those that don't have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, these aren't really locusts. They're like locusts. They're the demonic realm. And how do I know this? Well, locusts, what do they do? They go after the vegetation. Right here, we're going to see in verse 4, he says, you can't go after the vegetation. You have to go after the men. Okay? And so remember the plague of locusts in Pharaoh's time, right? And they, they took out all the vegetation. Well, here, they're going to be commanded not to, but to go after what? Men on this earth. Verse 4, they were commanded, these locusts, not to harm the grass of the sea or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Only those that I believe have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. Which are going to be a lot of them in the tribulation. Right? They can go after them. But again, I mentioned, I believe this is God's last act of mercy on these men. They're going to get a taste of what Gehenna is like. And they can still repent and not go there. Verse 5, and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now, I've never been stung by a scorpion, but I don't want to be. But this is going to be a, a lot more powerful than a scorpion. This is demonic presence. And they're going to sting men. They're going to torment them, and they won't be able to die. But they're going to want to die because the pain is so much. Verse 6, in those days men will seek death and will not find it. The pain, the torment will be so much, they're going to want to die. It's going to be like that in the eternal, in the outer darkness. Gehenna, where there's weeping and gnashing teeth, they're not going to be able to die. They'll have eternal bodies and they'll be cast into the fiery furnace forever. Men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. Now, from this point on, I want you to note every time it says, was like, was like. So this is the demonic realm. It's not locust. It's not scorpion. It's not all these things that are described, but they're like. And so I want you to note the nature of these demonic beings. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. Verse 8, they had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, with many horses running into battle. So notice this composite of all these different physical figures. It's like, and it's all combined into this demonic realm here. Verse 10, they had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. It's to cause pain, physical pain, excruciating pain. So much pain you want to die for five months. Verse 11, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Okay, so the bottomless pit, the abyss, the abuso, it has a king. Now this is not Satan, 
Satan is even higher in that darkness of this one. But over this bottomless pit, right, has this one, and it's called Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek. It literally is the meaning destroyer. Now verse 12 says, One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Iowa Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory. 